What is up, Brad fans? How you doing? How you living? Uh, I am so glad you are here for this episode, and I am so glad to be back. Uh, I've been away on vacation. I start parental leave this week. And for those of you that followed the Instagram, at Too Brad For You, uh, you would have seen that I was in Bosnia and Herzegovina uh, for a week last week, uh, delivering a workshop. I was invited to speak at a workshop about podcasting science communication to a bunch of uh, physics physics students and physicists. Uh, So just a quick thank you to the organizers of Connect 21. I had a blast. It was a lot of fun. Um, And hopefully the students learned a little bit as well about uh, podcasting, science communication, storytelling, this kind of thing. And so let me start with my own little story about my trip to Bosnia. First off, it was great. The people were lovely. I really enjoyed it. The weather was amazing. Um, But there was one thing that was a little weird, a little uncomfortable, uh, and that was masks. There were none. The contingent of uh, Germans that I showed up with uh, to the to the workshop, we were all wearing masks from the airport into the cab into the uh, resort hotel that we were at. Uh, and upon walking in, uh, there was not a mask in sight, except for the ones that were on our six faces. And that was a little odd. It felt weird. It felt really weird to be the only ones, to kind of have a, everyone look at you, a bit of a record scratch moment. Um, obviously, everyone was really nice about it. Nobody gave us any grief. It's not America, or it's at least it's not the picture of America that Instagram or social media will give you. Um, but it was weird. And I will say that for the rest of the week, we didn't wear masks. Now, I was the only one in the group that wasn't fully vaccinated. I get my second shot tomorrow. But yeah, I still did it. I still didn't wear the mask and it felt weird. Uh, I did take as much precaution as I could uh, to protect myself. Uh, The numbers in Bosnia were low. The reported numbers in Bosnia were low. Um, I avoided air, uh, elevator, elevators. I, you know, we, as a group, the workshop people, we made sure we were in large ventilated rooms. We tested regularly. We did as much as we could outside. All of these kind of precautions that we know uh, work. But it was weird. I got used to it, and, it, and I'm not going to lie, it felt great to uh, not wear the mask. Um, you know, nobody likes wearing the mask. It's a small price to pay, but, you know, nobody likes it. So it felt good. And I look forward to the day that we get there, at least mentally or, you know, by the public health advice in in all of our countries. Uh, and that depends on vaccinations. And this was the other thing that I heard uh, from a lot of people on this trip was anger. Anger about you know, messaging that goes on in this pandemic. A lot of people, uh, at least the Bosnian folks, felt that their government, their public health agencies didn't do a great job. We were talking about the media in general. Uh, and also uh, anger that we might have to go into lockdown again or have these sort of heavy-handed public health measures uh, when we have vaccines available for everybody. And this is where it turned you know, to the, what do we do about the unvaccinated? Because make no mistake, the pandemic right now in places where you get high levels of vaccination or where you have, you're lucky enough to have vaccine available if you want it, um, 
the pandemic is is about the unvaccinated at this point, and it will become more so about the unvaccinated uh, as more and more people get vaccinated. And that's what I want to talk about today. Vaccines work. I can't believe we're still talking about it, but they work. And, but you wouldn't know that from some of the headlines that we're seeing uh, from news outlets on all sides of the spectrum uh, talking about breakthrough uh, uh, cases and cases among vaccinated people. And there's some important, very important context and perspective missing from a lot of these stories and a lot of these headlines. And this is something that came up in my conversations with uh, physicists uh, at, at, the, at the meeting in Bosnia and uh, something that I'm going to dive into a little bit here. But first, as always, go to tobradforyou.wordpress.com. Check out the website. Please, please, please. Uh, go there and you will find all of the links to follow the show uh, on any podcast platform that you that you like. Uh, we are available on any, any podcast platform that you use uh, and you should please uh, follow us, um, subscribe. Uh, if you want to uh, rate us, leave a comment that really, really helps. Um, you can also follow, subscribe, get in touch via Twitter, Instagram at too Brad for you. Uh, you can send an email to Brad for you uh, at gmail.com uh, and you can send us a voicemail to Brad for you or speakpipe.com slash to Brad for you. But all of this, you don't have to remember any of this. All of this is on the website to Brad for you dot wordpress.com. Go there, leave a comment, use any of those other uh, mediums to get in touch with us. I want to hear what you have to say, what you have to say about the vaccines, about uh, the conversations you're having with people in your life. Uh, about vaccination, about the pandemic, about restrictions. If you want to talk about something completely different than the pandemic, I get it and I want to hear about it because I also want to talk about something different. Unfortunately for today, we are going to stick with the pandemic. So let's get into it. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? What are we talking about? Seriously. We talking about... Vaccines again? I know. I didn't think I would be sucked into talking about it again, but I am. Um, and like I said, it's largely because of some of the coverage of uh, the breakthrough infections. But let's, let's, you know, rewind it for a second here. We know vaccines are safe, these COVID vaccines. We've gone over that. We've gone over the, you know, the clinical trial process, why it, it, it seemed like they were developed super fast or why the clinical trials went fast. They did go fast because, you know, the whole world wanted this done. Um, we talked about what that. What are we talking We've about? We've talked about the mRNA vaccines in general uh, and why they're safe, why they're no different than any other vaccine. Um, a lot of the COVID vaccines that are available now too, and more and more that are coming online are more of the sort of traditional kind that we're all sort of used to. So all of those issues should be, you know, aside. We've talked about, and maybe what not as much, so about? I'll go into it a little bit here, long-term effects. That's something I see uh, a lot coming up on Twitter and stuff like this um, with vaccine-hesitant people. They're like, oh, but we don't know the long-term effects. Yeah, okay, so they did clinical trials and stuff, but normally clinical trials last three, four years, and you get an idea of long-term effects. There has never uh, been long-term effects beyond, you know, you know, half a year or something for vaccines. It just, it, it just 
doesn't happen because they're not long-term things. Vaccines go into your body. They stimulate your immune system as any germ going into your body would do. It's not a, you know, it's not a crazy concept. This is what your body does. Things go into it and your immune system reacts to it. That's completely normal. Um, and then they disappear. Then they, you know, they get degraded. The body takes care of them and they, and they're gone. There's no longer any vaccine in your body, uh, to create a long-term effect. And because the vaccines are just interacting with your immune system as any germ would do, as any bug would do, there's no, there's no reason to like, there's, there's no long-term effect that could happen. It's not, you know, I think this comes from this idea, while some of it comes from the idea that the mRNA vaccines are going to integrate with your DNA or something, which is just hogwash. We've talked about that too. It's, it, again, there's no biological mechanism that would allow that to happen. Um, so the long-term effects, it's just, I mean, we have to say, I guess, yeah, okay, I guess we don't know. We'll have to wait and see, but there's no reason to believe there would be no vaccines ever have long-term effects. It just doesn't really make any sense. So that's that. Now, are they working is the next question. And the answer is yes. The answer is they are working exactly as advertised after the clinical trials. The clinical trials showed that, uh, like all vaccines, people still get infected. You know, that, that does happen. Uh, again, nothing surprising there. Completely normal. Uh, and we found that these vaccines are very effective at reducing hospitalizations and severe illness. And and that was the really important thing. Remember, this whole pandemic has been about safeguarding the hospitalizations, uh, the hospital, the healthcare system. Of course, deaths uh, are nobody wants deaths, and we try and minimize that too. But those two things uh, go together, and vaccines are working in this respect. Um. But you wouldn't know that from some of the coverage, like I said. There's been a lot of focus on breakthrough infections, these breakthrough infections, so vaccinated people uh, getting the disease. And like I said, there was never any 100% guarantee that you wouldn't. It's just not possible to give 100%. And some vaccines are better at preventing infections than others. It depends on the infection. It depends on how the virus or the you know bacteria that you're vaccinating against works. There's one hypothesis I saw out there on the MedPage Today website um, about why people with the COVID vaccine still are getting COVID, but then you get the you get the protection from severe illness, and it has to do with potentially again this is just a hypothesis. Uh, the virus uh, when it first gets into your body through the nose and the mouth and into the uh, respiratory system, it stays in that uh, in the lining. So the outer cells, sort of the before it goes into the blood, it, it replicates in the nose and the mucus cells and stuff in the respi respiratory system, right? So the vaccine, you know, your the the immune stuff the cells that uh, combat the virus and stuff that the vaccine has 
stimulated that the vaccine has given the you know the warning signal to, they can't go into that membrane, that that mucousy uh, outer sort of lining of the respiratory system. Because if they did, it would cause a lot of damage. So you have a bit of virus replicating there, starting its infection process. Um, so you get infected. You're, it's in your nose and your respiratory. You'll test positive, all that. You can still transmit it, although it will be lower. Um, and then as the virus moves in through its natural infection process into the body, uh, deeper into the blood and, and this kind of thing, that's where it encounters the immune stuff that, you're, that the vaccine has you know, given you, that has provided you, your memory cells, your antibodies, all that. And so therefore you don't get as sick. The antibody uh, or the viral load drops really quickly according to one preprint. Uh, so it looks, you know, when you first get infected with COVID, um, it looks like, yeah, the viral loads can be high, but then they drop rapidly. So this is a this is just a hypothesis as to why that happens. And each vaccine is different. Each vaccine, you know, the one for measles, the one for smallpox, all of these things, they'll have different, you know, levels of protection. And some of them will be really good at preventing infection, not just uh, stopping severe illness. And it's just the nature of biology. It's the nature of the immune system. It's the nature of how the vaccine works, that kind of thing. So, and everyone's different. And the COVID ones, if you remember, were never guaranteed to be this 100% silver bullet. Now, maybe people were overzealous in the messaging. This is where we have a problem with the messaging. Um, but the experts were always saying, look, this is not like we're not going to be able to just, oh, vaccines, everything's over. That's not the case. Maybe some politicians said that. Maybe some uh, news media outlets didn't really provide that context. I don't know. But that was never the case. And now you have these, you know, idiots, idiots, uh, struggle to find a nice word for guys like Tucker Carlson, scrunchy-faced weasels um, on their shows, you know, just air quotes here, just asking questions. How come they want us to get vaccinated if we can still get infected? How come they told us this would be over if we all got vaccinated? And now they want to reintroduce lockdowns. You know, these just asking questions people who, let's be clear, are vaccinated 100%. I would bet 100% those people are vaccinated. They're doing this retrospective reframing of the issue. Well, if they're not 100% uh, effective, what are we talking about here? And the thing is, as we move into this situation where we now are seeing, you know, mass mandates come back in places or governments are slow to, to let go of them, these kind of things, we have to be very clear. This is, unfortunately, again, I struggle to put it nicely, unvaccinated people ruining it for the rest of us. That's a fact. So the proportion of cases that are happening, uh, that are ending up in hospital, that are overloading the hospital system, everything, uh, the proportion that are unvaccinated is incredibly high, like 90%, something like this. It varies obviously in different places, but it's really high. Most of the people going to hospital are unvaccinated and they're getting it. Now, there's a couple reasons why we see these headlines about breakthrough infections, and, and, but they're lacking this, this context, right? First off, in places where more people are vaccinated, you know, there's going to be more cases among vaccinated people. 
That's just the way it is. This was the case of this. There was a headline. I think it was a town in Vermont or, you know, New Hampshire. I don't know, Connecticut, one of these, you know, sort of whatever states in the Northeast. Sorry, you whatever states in the Northeast. Uh, but there was a small town. It was a large gathering of mostly vaccinated people. And there was an outbreak. So if it's mostly vaccinated people, most of the cases are going to be among people that are vaccinated. Uh, there was a, a small group of people that were unvaccinated, and they were the ones with the severe consequences. The people, these cases that were reported uh, among the vaccinated, uh, they were largely fine. Um, so it reminds me of this. My good friend Scott, who's a regular uh, guest on the Two Brad for Politics uh, episodes, he had this thing that he had on his wall in his in his room when we were young, uh, junior high, high school, and it said, if you outlaw lutefisk, only outlaws will eat lutefisk. Now, lutefisk is a notoriously foul Norwegian traditional dish made of fish. Probably should be outlawed, but hey, that's another that's another debate. But I think you get the point. The logic there. If most people are, are, are vaccinated, any cases that do pop up will be among vaccinated people. And the second piece of context that is sorely missing, sorely lacking in these headlines and discussions about uh, uh, breakthrough infections is the denominator. Very simple. The denominator, uh, as we I'm sure most of us remember, is the lower half of a fraction. You have 9 out of 10. 10 is the denominator. Uh, if you increase the denominator to 9 out of 20, that's going to be a smaller proportion, right? That's how these things go. So when we look at uh, the denominator in terms of cases of people who are uh, vaccinated and unvaccinated, uh, the denominator of People who are vaccinated and the cases, the denominator is huge. A lot of people are vaccinated uh, and the number of cases is, you know, maybe it looks the same as uh, vaccinated. Let me let me try and make this example. Um, there was a great Twitter thread uh, that you should check out. I retweeted it uh, at TubeRad for you, probably at BVampaired on as well. Uh, and I'll link to it in the show notes that did this visually, represented this, this argument visually with uh, circles. You know, these one big circle representing vaccinated people, one representing unvaccinated people. So if you have 100,000 um, vaccinated people in a community and 1,000 unvaccinated people in a community, and you get 100 cases in each population. 100 in the vaccinated and a 100 in the unvaccinated. The proportion, you know, the percentage of uh, uh, cases in the unvaccinated, while the totals are the same and looks the same, you could look at a headline that said 100, 100 cases both in, in both groups. Oh, my God, vaccines don't work. Um, the percentage of cases amongst the vaccinated would be like 0.001%. 0.001%, I think, if my math is correct. My math is usually not that correct. Uh, and it would be 0.1% in the vaccinated, uh, the unvaccinated group, right? That's a big difference in risk. That's a very big difference in risk. But we're not getting this context. 
So these breakthrough infections are looking more and more dangerous than they are, more and more scary than they are. And people in the vaccine hesitancy movement, anti-vax movement, people that want to sow this doubt for whatever reason it is, scrunchy-faced weasels that want to sell ads on their popular show and are trying to use fear to you know, stimulate the base, their audience, the straight-up anti-vax people, these people, they use these headlines, they use this, these numbers out of context to do what they're doing. Increase vaccine hesitancy. And it's really shitty because it's going to ruin it. It's going to ruin it for the rest of us. So let's stop for a moment right here and take a quick look at some data, some numbers, right? Because the the UK has an extremely high uh, vaccination uptake rate. I think it's around 70% even of people with uh, first uh, both doses. Actually, it is now... 77% of uh, people, I believe over 18, we'll go with that, could be could be younger, but let's say 77% of people over 18 in the United Kingdom have had their second dose. That is a very high coverage rate. And I'm just clicking through the data here, and I wanted to look at uh, cases. So at the peak of their second wave, you know, the really bad uh, winter, they were seeing, you know, and a seven-day average of 57,234 cases per day on the 6th of January, 2021. 57,702 seven-day average. Uh, 10th of January, 59,653. That was bad. That was really bad. Now, let's zoom ahead to when they opened up uh, so about a month ago, 7th of July, 10th of July, 20, about the 20th of July, they had another peak. They had 43,404 new cases uh, on the 21st of July. The seven-day average was 47,114 cases. So not quite as high as the last, as the last peak, but still very, very high. Uh, but if we look at deaths during that time or hospital admissions during that time. So hospital admissions during the peak in January was about, for England, I have the data now separated by country within the United Kingdom, but let's just look at England because it was by far the, the, the highest. It was 3,749 the 11th of, of July hospitalizations, new hospital hospital admissions. Zoom ahead to, what did I say, July 7th, in and around that area, and you're seeing hospitalizations of three, 379. Going up to a peak uh, of July 25th of 780. It's much different than 3,000. It's not great, but it's much lower. And if we look at deaths over that time as well, so in July, in January, in the middle of the big peak, seven-day average deaths, 1,239 on the 25th of January, and it stays around there for January. And then we zoom ahead to July. Again, the second peak, we're seeing a seven-day average of 40 on the 18th of July, 55 on the 22nd of July. 
So you can see it changed. The case numbers are still high, but the hospitalizations and the deaths much lower. This is the vaccines in action. This is the vaccines working. But the UK has a very high coverage, very high coverage. Like I said, as of yesterday, the 15th of August, or not yesterday, a couple days ago, the 15th of August, 77% of 18 plus have two doses of vaccine. That's what we're talking about. That's where we need to get. And we will see this disconnect between cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. Now, this is another thing that media could be talking about. The focus on early on was on cases, as it should be. And I don't want to totally dismiss case numbers because there's still long COVID we need to worry about, right? What is it, like 10 to 30% estimates vary of people who get it of cases, 10 to 30% of cases will experience some kind of long-term effect from, from catching COVID. So case numbers still matter. That's, you know, it's not great to have that, the high case numbers and have, you know, a bunch of people getting long COVID. But in terms of the acute uh, effects of, on the healthcare system and stuff, the vaccines work. And people need to understand that. Uh, and that's another thing that the news media could be talking about. Rather than focusing on this uh, out-of-context breakthrough infections, we could be telling people, look, at this works. It's working. It's doing what it said it was going to do. Um, and that could get the message out there a lot better. So a, a few things need to, I think, could be changed in the way that we're reporting on the pandemic and the way that we're talking on the pandemic. Uh, focusing on, you know, the proportion of breakthrough infection, infections, the proportion of infections that are happening that are unvaccinated versus vaccinated, um, the outcomes of those, and just how well the vaccines are working at reducing um, hospitalizations and deaths so far. And this isn't a problem of just the, the people who are deliberately, you know, um, misrepresenting the numbers the scrunchy faced tucker carlson's the anti-vax people you have uh news outlets that that would generally you know be considered pretty reliable that kind of thing with these sorts of headlines and that's a problem by not adding that context directly in the headline that is a problem and i, I don't know maybe it sells more papers maybe that's it maybe that's the cynical uh line of it it drives more clicks to have these kind of headlines but you're doing a major disservice and you're allowing, uh, you're just giving ammunition to this vaccine hesitancy side. Um, so I wish that that wasn't the case. I wish that more people would uh, realize this, more editors, more headline writers, whatever it is, journalists, publications, um, would sort of add the context, you know, let us know, uh, put it into perspective. And I've never been one that was so cynical on the media that said, you know, oh, it doesn't matter what spectrum of the media you're looking at, you know, they're both crazy and it's, I can't trust any of it. You know, I was never that um, disillusioned. I still, I'm still not largely, but when I see an example like this, I start to say, okay, I can see now why people are getting confused and then they get angry and on and on and on. And the reason we need to cut down on the ammunition for the uh, vaccine hesitancy people, the anti-vax people, all that is because, like I said, low vaccination rates, high numbers of unvaccinated people will 
ruin it for the rest of us. That's a fact. The simple analogy, and we look at it this way. You have dry wood, which burns really quickly, really easily. A fire will spread amongst dry wood really quickly, really easily. That wood is going to get destroyed really quickly, really easily. Dry wood and fire, bad combination. Dry wood is unvaccinated people. Fire is obviously the disease. We want to be wet wood. Wet wood, while it still can burn, it will take a lot more effort to burn it. It will burn slowly. It will burn less hot. There's a, there's a less chance uh, that fire will spread amongst wet wood. Now, it's still possible. Like I said, no vaccine is 100%. But if you have a lot of wet wood versus dry wood, that fire will not spread nearly as quickly, will not cause nearly as much damage. And that's exactly it. You want to be wet wood. Get vaccinated. Be the wet wood. If the ratio of dry to wet wood is too big, then eventually, yes, the wet wood will burn as well. If we flip that, the dry wood will have less places to transmit their, their fire to and less chances for the fire to spread. That also means in the disease context, less chances for mutations, less chances for a variant to come along that is even worse than the one we have now. And it's really that simple. There's these very simple things that we're talking about here, this context. As vaccination rates go up, you will see more cases amongst vaccinated people. Think about the denominator. What is the proportion of cases amongst vaccinated and unvaccinated? How is this disease going to spread uh, if we were all vaccinated? Much slower. Be the wet wood. And then this brings us to a, a, an interesting point. One, one thing to, that we'll need to talk about is what do we do with the unvaccinated? Those who refuse to be vaccinated when there is ample vaccine to go around. That's going to be a tricky question because the, nobody wants to go back into the restrictions, not even the anti-vax people, but if we have too much dry wood around, governments are going to be compelled to do something about it. And that means that, yes, mask restrictions will come back, lockdowns will come back, because even the wet wood can still transmit a bit of fire, and if it transmits it to a piece of dry wood, then we got a massive fire going on. And that means hospitalizations that means we gum up the healthcare system and that's not good for anybody then everybody suffers remember that's what a lot of this pandemic has been about is guarding the healthcare system so if there's a lot of dry wood out there burning and we use up all our resources to try and you know put out that fire anyone else that has a an injury illness anything like that is going to be uh shit out of luck so now we're at an interesting point. We come to an, uh, an interesting and, and difficult question of what do we do with the unvaccinated? Do we let it, do we let it burn? Do we just let it burn through them, through that, that, those populations? Uh, don't do anything. Uh, no more lockdowns, no more mask mandates, nothing. They made their choice. 
just let him have it? I don't know. Uh, part of me says yes, but uh, that could overwhelm the hospitals in in certain cases. And I mean, you know, we think about overwhelm the hospitals. That means then if I get sick or injured from something else, then I can't go to the hospital. But it also puts the 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 nurses, the doctors, the the janitors, the the entire staff of a hospital in greater risk, right? So even if they're all vaccinated, we know that, that if they're around a lot of sick people with COVID, there's a good there's a chance that they will get it, a higher chance, you know, that, that you keep bringing wet wood around the dry wood, it's eventually going to, you know, a couple embers are going to burn. That doesn't seem fair to them. And the other point is, and I've made this point earlier in the pandemic, is that I was uncomfortable with, you know, I said I didn't want to live in a place where, in a society where we made these judgments on what lives were better or were worth saving uh, than the others. You know, we use that, I use that argument in the context of the old people when people said, oh, it was just old people dying. You know, if, if we have to lose some old people, they've already lived. I don't want to do lockdowns, you know, save the economy, blah, 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 all that. Um, that's, that's a really harsh judgment to make. And this is also kind of a harsh judgment to make, but it's also very different because you can get vaccinated. We're talking about this in the context of places where it's not a supply problem anymore. You know, there's enough vaccine to go around in Europe, in America, in Canada, you know. And we're very lucky to live in those places. So what do we do? Let's say, for example, there, there's two patients that need a ventilator. One of them is an unvaccinated COVID patient. The other one, completely vaccinated uh, maybe it's a breakthrough COVID infection. Maybe it's something else. Maybe they just, you know, they have something else and they need that ventilator, but it comes down to, you know, the person who chose not to get vaccinated or the person who did everything right and is now up for a 50-50 coin flip on whether they get the life-saving treatment. What do you do then? I don't know. I mean, that's triage. That's something that doctors deal with all the time, but we're putting an unnecessary burden on them uh, and arguably using up unnecessary resources because people are choosing not to get vaccinated. And again, no matter which way you slice it, no matter what age you are, I mean, obviously we're not uh, able to vaccinate kids yet. That hasn't been approved. So I'm not talking about that, but really whatever age you are, whatever your health status is, however healthy you are, your risks are much lower taking a vaccine than encountering COVID unvaccinated. That's, that's just a fact. And if you're banking on not catching it, but we're also saying this isn't going anywhere, it's endemic now, we're going to have to learn to live with it, then you're probably going to catch it at some point. You're, everyone, it seems like everyone's going to come into contact with this virus at some point. And I see at least for the short term, a world coming in which the vaccinated and the unvaccinated have different uh, mobility. Flying, going into businesses, you know, schools, all of these things, uh, people are going to start requiring that you're vaccinated. And frankly, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with it. 
It's not a new thing. It's not a new concept to have vaccine mandates. It's not a new concept to have, uh, you know, businesses refuse service to to to, to people. Um, we've all seen no shirt, no shoes, no service on a on a store, on a storefront. That's a public health thing. You know, you can't just walk into a restaurant without any clothes on. It's a public health thing. Uh, and as much as people want to say, well, you don't have the right to tell me what to do with my body. Well, businesses have the right to tell you they don't want to serve you. That is, that's a fact. You can't have it both ways. So, you know, air travel, trains, all of these things. I, I, I see it coming and I don't disagree with it. You know, maybe there's a situation, a workaround where it's like, okay, you you don't want to get vaccinated. Well, then you have to be tested. So you're going to have to put up with the testing, constant testing. And if you want to make that trade off, I guess you can make that trade off, you know. Um, but I, I don't really see a way around it at this point. We've done the vaccine incentives in a lot of places, uh, lotteries for money, this kind of thing. Uh, but at what point do you bring out the stick? You know, we've done the carrot. At what point do you do you bring out the stick? And it doesn't have to be forced vaccinations. No, but it just means that businesses, certain public spaces, these things are going to be, you know, you're either going to need a test or you're going to have to be vaccinated. Uh, and it's weird that it would come to this, you know, that we have to make this distinction. But there's a significant enough, you know, significantly large enough proportion of people that don't see the value of getting vac vaccinated that uh, that necessitates this. And this, I go back to this all the time. It's like you, you know, the people that don't want to be vaccinated, well, then you got to do something else because, you know, I guess some of them just don't believe that the pandemic is a, is a big deal. But, you know, the fact is it is, you know, the, 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 the numbers are there. The data is there. So if they choose not to believe it, then I guess I'm not talking to them. But you can't really have it both ways. You can't say... Well, I don't want to be vaccinated, uh, but I also don't want testing, but I also don't want masks. I also don't want this. I don't want that, you know, and as be, speaking as a, as a vaccinated person, um, I don't want to do a lockdown. I don't think we could do that again. I don't think you could convince the, the majority of the population that is vaccinated to, to endure that again. And I don't think we should have to, you know, um, because the people that are choosing not to get vaccinated. And let's let's make it clear. It is, you know, it's a choice. I've heard this sentiment. I mean, you hear it from the very the people who are very strongly opposed to vaccines. I don't want to have to do it. I don't want to have to do it. Um, I don't. You you can't make me kind of thing. But I've even heard this from people who aren't vaccine hesitant, who aren't uh, anti-vaxxers by any stretch of the imagination. They were happy to get the vaccine and protect themselves and everyone else, but they still had this notion like, wow, I don't want to have to put this in my body, but I'll do it because it's the right thing to do. I don't want to have to do it, but it's the right thing. So I know it's safe. I'll do it. But it's, you know, having to put this thing in my body, you know, it's, 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 I don't like it. And I think that's the wrong way to think about it, because you don't have to take the vaccine. You get to take the vaccine. If you're being offered a free vaccine for a deadly pandemic that is going around, you live in one of the best countries in the world, the most privileged countries in the world, and you get to take life-saving 
intervention before, you know, 80% of the rest of the world. That's a gift. You get to be vaccinated. Now, yes, nobody wants a pandemic. Nobody wants to have to, you know, the necessity of, of, of having to fight against infectious diseases. But guess what? That's life. I mean, <laughs> you know, do you go around, I, I didn't want to have to get the smallpox vaccine, but I guess so. You know, it's like infectious disease is with us and has been with us forever and will be with us forever. So it's, you know, it's what it is. I don't want to have to wear a rain jacket, but it rains. So what am I going to do? I'm lucky enough that I can afford a rain jacket. You don't have to be vaccinated. You get to be vaccinated. You get to be protected when so much of the world doesn't yet. And to see people complain about that is mind-boggling to me. And I think I know where some of this comes from. I blame the you know, health guru, fitness, nutrition, naturalist, whatever industry. And I know I rail on these guys a lot, but it drives me nuts. But there's this notion that putting something in your body is unnatural and that we shouldn't do that. You know, GMOs, unnatural. I don't want that in my body. Toxins, ugh. Doesn't make any sense. GMOs, it's just food. There's nothing, there's nothing about it. It's just, it's still genes. It's still biological matter. Everything has genes. You're just swapping out genes for another. Just, it's just a human doing it rather than evolution doing it. Rather than it occurring over time, it's just someone doing it. It doesn't change the substance of the food. You know, you're not injecting it with a synthetic chemical, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, we could talk about pesticides, you know, poison, like this kind of legit stuff that's on there. But there's this notion of just like something that's not natural going in your body. And then there's no real good definition of what's natural or not. And like I said before, a vaccine, it goes in, it goes out. It's not like taking a pill every day. That I would understand. You know, you don't want to have to take antidepressants every day or, a, you know, a, a antibiotic every day. You know, that's something you're putting in your body every day over the long term that's doing something that's, you know, a vaccine just goes in like any other germ, stimulates your immune system, and then it's out. And it's a life-saving, you know, treatment you, that you are lucky enough to be offered. You know, you get to be vaccinated. It's a beautiful thing, really. When we're seeing how well these things are working, I, I don't understand the, the uh, uh, I guess, I guess I'll have to take that. No, you get to take that. And I think that's a mindset that we could all adopt, uh, a perspective maybe that would um, maybe just make us all a little more grateful, uh, make us all realize a little bit more what we have, how good we have it. I don't know. These are just some of my thoughts, um, and that's all I have on, on vaccines for now. I'm hoping that we don't have to touch it again for a while, uh, but we'll see. We'll see how, how this goes. Uh, just to be very clear, you know, I'm, I'm fine with mass mandates. You know, it's, it's the easiest thing we can do 
to help cut down uh, on transmission. And let's not forget, there's a lot of people who can't be vaccinated, legitimately can't be vaccinated. Uh, and our kids are, are, are those people right now. So doing some things to protect them, yeah, let's do that. You know, if it means wearing a mask on the train or in the school or in the building or whatever, wearing a mask is the least thing, you know, you could do. It's, it's, it's easy. Yeah, I know it's uncomfortable. I don't like to do it either, but I'll do it. And, and above all, get vaccinated. You, someone is offering you, a, a, you know, a bulletproof vest in the middle of a war zone. Take it. So we're not out of this yet. Uh, and we're not going to be, you know, even places like the UK where, like I said, high vaccine coverage, you're seeing the benefits of the vaccine. There's still issues. There's still problems like the kids, the schools, uh, long COVID, all of these things. So we are still, we are not out of it, but we can put ourselves in a much better position by getting as many people vaccinated as is humanly possible. Anyway, rant over. That's it. It's done. We're gonna we're moving on. Uh, I'm hoping to in the next couple of weeks have some guests on the show, uh, which will hopefully lighten the mood a little bit. Um, and as a heads up, I am going to be going to the Insight 2021 conference. So if you remember back in 2019, I traveled to Berlin to bring you one of the first episodes we did on psychedelic therapy. So I went to the Insight conference where there's a lot of um, well, basically, it's a it's a conference for, you know, the latest in psychedelic uh, medicine. So very scientific approach. Uh, they're looking at the clinical work and stuff like this. So I am was lucky enough to get a press pass to go again. I will be doing that uh, in September 9th to 12th, I believe it is. Uh, so look for an episode of interviews and thoughts on that conference uh, in the later half of September. Really excited about that. And we'll see what else I can rummage up for you uh, in terms of content. I know that's what you're after, all the content. Until then, let me know what you thought of this episode. Let me know what you think of vaccine mandates uh, for or against. You know, make an argument. Give me your take. I would love to hear it. Let me know what you think about uh, psychedelics. Anything, really. Aliens. Shit. Bigfoot. Let's do it. Uh, just get in touch with the show. To do that, go to tobradforyou.wordpress.com. There you will find all the links on how to comment, rate, subscribe, follow on Twitter, on Instagram, email, send us a voicemail. I will play it on the, on the show. Uh, and if you feel so inclined, you can donate as well. It's all there, tobradforyou.wordpress.com. Head over there, check it out, uh, and... Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, and take care of yourselves. And we'll see you next time. Bye for now.